in the name of Jesus. Amen. On the church Facebook page, in the little blurb for today's service, I included a funny picture of a cat hiding. At least I thought it was funny. It might be better to describe it as a cat trying to hide, because what makes it funny is that you have a, a little whiskers there sitting as still as possible uh, behind the leg of a table, which is about two inches wide, while whiskers is about five inches wide. <laughs> Not really hiding, like me hiding behind uh, Nate over there. Wouldn't work so well. I'd stick out in the sides. I found the little the picture on a, a website titled something like a Worst Hiding Fails. Has all sorts of funny pictures like this. People and animals, uh, young children hiding behind the curtains um, with the entire bottom half of their bodies sticking out. Or a, a dog with its head stuck under a pillow must have just done something its, its uh, owners won't be happy with, but its whole, whole tail sticking out. People, animals trying to hide, um, but not doing a very good job of, of hiding. Hiding fails. Well, in our, our Old Testament lesson for today, obviously we only get it in words, no pictures. Uh, but if by some chance there'd been a gorilla or something there in the Garden of Eden who'd stumbled across uh, an iPhone to, to snap some shots and had taken some of the scene there, um, we might get some pictures uh, that could find their way onto a website uh, called Worst Hiding Fails, elicit the same sort of chuckles. Maybe you didn't catch it. Let me let me read those opening words again. They, that is Adam and Eve, heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. Now, there may have been some really big trees in the Garden of Eden, so the hiding fail isn't exactly the same as, as whiskers, chubby whiskers behind the, the thin leg of the, the table. Uh, but but it's funny still, uh, funny in the sense that what we have here is Adam and Eve trying to hide themselves in the garden from the very guy, the very God, who made the whole stinking garden. <laughs> you, you can imagine Adam and Eve like uh, saying to one another, maybe if we remain really still, God will forget he made us, <laughs> right? Uh, a worst hiding fails. Um, there's, there's even a little tip in the text that, that, that may uh, point to the fact that they weren't hiding very well. We're told in the next line that the Lord God called to the man. That is, he didn't just call in general, hey, where are you at? But he calls to the man. I, I picture maybe like, like the, imagine the owner um, looking right at whiskers. God looking right at Adam and Eve looking right at Whiskers behind that, that table leg, saying, hmm, I wonder where Whiskers is, right? It's a little humor in the Bible, lots of humor in the Bible, and, and maybe this is, is uh, some of the first. But alas, it's only funny for about half a second. It's only funny until you realize that the folks hiding from the Lord would only recently have been running to greet him. Then funny turns sad. 
you can imagine a father who is accustomed to, to coming home from a long days of work and having his two children fall on either leg in affection. To come home one day only to find his children not there, but that they're hiding from him and not hiding in some fun game, but hiding in fear. Imagine the father's heartbreak. Oh no. What has gotten into the hearts and minds of my children that they don't come to me, that they hide from me? Oh no, my beautiful children. The funny wears off quickly when you realize what is actually going on in the story and then even more quickly when you realize the story is ultimately about you and me. That's the way the Bible works. It's a, it's a record of the things that happen. This gives us a, a historical account of, of the fall. But bigger and more significantly than that, these stories, especially the ones that open the Bible, the biggest point is for us to see ourselves in them, to see these stories and say, that's me. I am the one hiding. That's you and me with the fig leaves covering up our nether regions, trying our darndest to stay still. And not get seen. And why? Why are we hiding? What are we hiding from? That's the kind of question that a story like this should have us asking. I should point out too that it's not just God they're hiding from, that they're hiding from one another. In the verse just before our text began, I mentioned the fig leaves already. We're told that Adam and Eve make these, these, these fig leaves. The first thing they do, once they've turned from God and doubt his promise and disobey his word, convinced by the serpent that God's keeping something from them. They make fig leaves to cover themselves up. That is, they hide themselves from one another. But back at the end of chapter 1, we're told that after God had created them, they were naked and yet without shame. But now they're ashamed. Now there's distance between. Soon they'll be blaming one another for what happened. But I can't help but think that just like us, behind the blame which we do a whole lot of. Behind the blame is the shame they feel, we feel, for having let one another down. This story is ancient history, but it's also our story, our story. The profound insight here is that the first fruit of our broken relationship with God is that we hide. We hide from him and we hide from one another. We hide our weaknesses and go around pretending we're all doing much better than we actually are. Oftentimes we hide that stuff even from ourselves. Well, we conceal our deepest shame so much that the mere thought of them spilling out makes our heart rate tick up. And has us turn into whatever we can to transform them into so many fig leaves. We had that gospel lesson 
You know, Jesus, he's got these run-ins with his family and the Pharisees, and his family's like, they're going to stage some intervention of some sort. Like, Jesus is off his rocker, it sounds like. we got to get in there if he keeps up with this. And again, I can't help but wonder if part of the reason they want to put a stop to what Jesus has been up to is because, like in every family, Jesus knows the family secrets. The shameful stuff. I bet part of the reason they're going on to grab him and say, we got to put a stop to this before he spills our beans, just like he's been spilling everyone else's beans. I mean, for them, it's, it's, it's worse than having, uh, having a pastor for a dad. You know, please, dad, please, Jesus, don't tell that story. Even if it's not about us, people are going to think it is. <laughs> the Pharisees, too, they accuse Jesus of having a demon. And then can't help but think that's because they know that if they don't figure out a way to get rid of him, he's going to expose their demons. And that has to stay hidden. Better kill him. Yeah, we all hide something. Uh, A pastor and theologian I like to follow, a man named Paul Zoll, is fond of saying that everyone has one thing that they think about every day. For some people, even, he, he thinks it's something they think about every day, all day. Some shame, some guilt, some regret, some wound, some wounding, every day, always there but hidden, so no one else knows. Hidden because terrified of what would happen if it was unhidden, laughed at, expelled, pitied, thought weak, if it were to come out. Everyone has one thing. What's your one thing? And the Lord God said to the man, Where are you? Oh, such a powerful phrase. Where are you? So powerful. You know, the actual original Hebrew is this. Listen close. Ali, Ali, oxen free. (laughs) Just kidding. That's obviously not it, but that's how we should hear. You should hear your creators. Where are you? As one big, beautiful Ali, Ali, oxen free. You know the phrase you say when... At the end, to kick the can or capture the flag or hide and seek when all those hiding can come in, which is a weird phrase, makes no sense. Like uh, free cattle for Oliver, what is it? Makes no sense until you realize Ali, Ali, oxen free is a corruption of an original all ye, all ye in come free. All ye, all ye, income free to all us hiders, God's first words after we turn and hide. But some people like to point to Genesis 3.15 and the promise that the seed of the woman, ultimately Jesus, would crush the serpent's head, would crush the head of the one who lied to us from the beginning, who continues to lie to us to tell us that God is over against us and trying to keep things from us. That that promise of the serpent's head being crushed is the first gospel, the proto-evangelium in the Bible. 
But for the first gospel, I think we should back up a few verses to the Lord God's saying to the man, where are you? Where are you? Not because I don't know exactly where you are. He knows exactly where he is. He knows exactly what he's done. He knows exactly what you've done. He knows especially your one thing. No, not where are you because I don't know where you are, but because I know exactly where you are. But I need you to know that you do not need to hide from me. I come seeking you. You think you need to hide from me, but you don't. You think you need to hide from me because if I found out what you did, your one thing, I'd destroy you or, or mock you or write you off, but you are wrong. I seek you not to find out what you did so I can punish, but so I can tell you that I know all you did, and yet still it will not separate you from me. All ye, all ye, in come free. That's the first gospel. That's the first good news in the Bible, and in one sense it's the only gospel. The good news, which is the whole point of the whole story of God with his creation that we hear in Scripture. Man turning away over and over again. Men and women hiding from one another, hiding from God because of all the shame and the guilt, which is real shame and guilt. We're not innocent. Men and women hiding from God and one another, and then the God who says over and over in many and various ways, where are you? Who's saying it right now. Not because he doesn't know where you are. He knows exactly where you are. He knows every hair on your head, every shame on your soul, every sin on your conscience. He says, where are you? Says to all of us hiding our nakedness, says it over and over again. Says it most loudly when he himself, stripped naked on the cross, gathers up all my shames and all your guilts and all the stuff we hide and hide from. Takes all the accusations of the old foe who's always telling us we need to hide. And he crushes him. And he crushes it all under his bruised heel and wounded body. Where are you? All ye, all ye, in come free over and over again. You are my child. And again, your sins are forgiven. And again, my body and blood given for you. Over and over and over again. Because your God will not rest. Until instead of fleeing from him and one another, we run to him together like little children falling on their father's legs. All ye, all ye, in come free. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.